Hello and welcome. My name is GOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader on your Monday edition today. A little bit of a, a throwback to the original podcast. We are recording this today on Sunday, the day before it was released because I am very busy tomorrow. I can't wait to tell you guys all about that. Very excited. Just say, sign up to my newsletter at gopjosh.com. It'll be a little button on the front of the page that says newsletter. Takes you to a getrevu.co page. Put in your email address. And you will be the first ones to know about my super duper announcement tomorrow. Maybe not tomorrow, but soon. And why I won't be recording tomorrow. I'm recording today. So GoFundMe has decided that this this anti-vaccine rally, this and to properly characterize it, the anti-vaccine mandates rally in Canada, which they are protesting the Canadian government's not allowing travel, and I think it's the American government as well, not allowing travel over the border without being vaccinated, basically getting rid of trucker jobs because they're not vaccinated and... and and they say that truckers are one of the largest groups of informed people in the nation because they listen to so much radio, so much podcasting, everything like that. And so they're standing up against this mandate. They're standing up against this power regime in both Canada and the United States. And and they, they, they fundraised their money off of GoFundMe, which is a very popular fundraising site. It is the most popular. It's easiest to find an audience to donate to you on GoFundMe. And they decided that after raising $10 million, I think it was $10 million, yes, th- th- they would not allow those funds raised by individuals to be transferred to the Freedom Convoy organizers. Uh, Elon Musk characterized them, at, characterized them as professional thieves. Uh, Tesla founder Elon Musk slammed GoFundMe for hypocrisy after the fundraising site cut ties with a convoy of American truckers who oppose vaccine mandates. Double standard? Question mark. Quipped Musk on Twitter while sharing a screenshot of a June 2020 tweet GoFundMe posted in support of Seattle's lawless chop or the Capitol Hill occupied protest. And why why every time I press a link it takes me right to that page and takes the article away from my screen? (laughs) Or an autonomous zone where riots broke out and police were not permitted to enter. He also called GoFundMe professional thieves. Thousands of truckers in the Freedom Convoy rolled into Ottawa on January 29th. Many of them blocking roads outside of parliament buildings, honking loudly and brandishing Canadian flags and blank uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau banners. Um, GoFundMe blocked the release of almost $10 million in donations during to the group earlier Friday in connection with the promotion of violence and harassment during the Ottawa protest. Oh, that's the wrong button. The the promotion of violence and harassment. I, I don't know if many of you out there have, have been following these protests. But they have not been promoting violence and harassment. They have been promoting the freedom to choose if you want to get a vaccine or not. And then that's what they've been promoting this entire time. And what... GoFundMe says what's going to happen to this money because they cannot give it to the Freedom Convoy. Is donors have until February 19th to ask for a refund 
and the rest of the money the group raised will be allocated to credible and established charities chosen by the Freedom Convoy organizers. On Wednesday, Facebook took down a page created by U.S. truckers who were planning to ride from California to Washington, D.C. in a similar protest. And so they've had a lot of censorship to this protest. And I don't think that this is the group of people, truckers are the group of people, that you really want to upset. Because here in the United States, if truckers decide to protest, if they decide to go on this similar path to the Freedom Convoy folk in in Canada, our supply chain will be shut down. Our roads, our food supply, everything will be shut down and it will cease to exist. Because truckers are the foundation of our country, the foundation of our supply chain. And so making this group of a very smart, very respectable, very um, essential people upset is not what I think politicians want to be doing. I want to be completely honest. I'm, I'm not a, a avid supporter of Canada, ever. I, I'm in America first. I don't really pay attention to Canada. But the, 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 the severe misunderstanding of everything going on in their country by their prime minister is actually astounding. Let me find that Justin Trudeau page on Twitter. See, see what he said about this. Maybe it wasn't tweeted recently. All of his tweets are in French. Okay, he tweets twice, once in French, once in English. It doesn't say, but he, he, he's, he's fully vaccinated. He tested positive for COVID. He, he's vaccinated three times. And he isolated and told people to get vaccinated so he didn't test positive. And, and just happened to be isolating the same time the Freedom Convoy rolls through the Capitol. But they keep trucking along. I'm, I'm happy that these these protesters have been supporting the right to choose, have been peaceful, have been patriotic. And and there, there was one photo of someone holding a, a Confederate flag. And so Justin Trudeau tweeted that and said, this racist group of protesters are disguising themselves as anti-vaccine, but they're actually racist and they don't like people of color or something like that. That's not an exact quote, but but anyways, you, you get my point. And and they, they, they want to ask this person, the press that re- reported this want to ask this person if they were why they were flying that flag, what, what what made them think that they should fly that flag and if they were a plant or not, which is kind of interesting to me. But anyways, I digress. We're going to move on now. Simply because we don't got a lot of time. We're, we're already eight minutes in. We haven't switched topics yet. We got to move on. Lisa Murkowski has said to Biden to pick a SCOTUS nominee who can get Republican votes. 
Senator Lisa Murkowski on Sunday encouraged President Joe Biden to choose a Supreme Court nominee who would receive broad bipartisan support and not pick the one that would be the furthest left. During a joint appearance with Senator Joe Manchin on CNN State of the Union, the Alaska Republican said that a significant bipartisan vote on Biden's Supreme Court pick would send a message to those Americans who see the court as increasingly uh, politicized. I want to make sure that the individual nominations and uh, the the president, sorry, nominates an exceptional candidate and exceptional exceptional and I cannot speak today, an exceptional individual, and I would be honored to be able to support an exceptional African American woman. Murkowski said. Or in contrast to those who of her fellow GOP senators, Ted Cruz, uh, Roger Wicker, who have criticized Biden to pledge an African-American woman to the highest court. Uh, Wicker recently likened Biden's promise to affirmative action. Democrats are quickly to note that other presidents, including former President Ronald Reagan, previously pledged to nominate women to the Supreme Court. Murkowski is widely viewed as one of the most likely Republican senators to put support Biden's pick. She has backed 79% of Biden's judicial nominees to Congress and voted last year to confirm Judge Katay. Katanji Brown Jackson to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Jackson is viewed as a front runner for the Supreme Court seat. Uh, Democrats can confirm whoever picks, whoever Biden picks without the GOP support, as long as Manchin and Sinema agree. And they have yet to break with the president on a single judicial nominee. Uh, during his CNN appearance Sunday, Manchin said that all of the potential candidates mentioned thus far are extremely qualified and predicted whoever Biden picks will get a majority of votes. They'll get 60 or more. While Biden can confirm the nominee along party lines, Murkowski said that Biden should pick a nominee who can get more than just one Republican vote. So far, this Congress, Susan Collins, has crossed party lines the most frequently to support Biden's nominee, followed by Murkowski and Lindsey Graham. It goes back to his word at the prayer breakfast. How are we going to unify? Why? What is that that we need to do? Uh, picking an individual who can get broad bipartisan support sends a signal to the public eye that maybe, maybe the courts are not as po- political as a legislative and executive branch. If you have to have a nominee that is a 51-50 vote with your vice president being the tie, maybe they are not a qualified pick. Maybe they are not a pick that you should choose. Maybe they are a a, a too partisan of a of a choice. Maybe they are too too unqualified. They are too political. But that's not going to be considered. What's going to be considered is how it can best look in the interests of the president to have a successful end of his first term or end of the, the, the middle of his first term, the midterms, of course. And say, look, we are Democrats uh, standing up against these racist Republicans who didn't support this nominee. We are these, these strong, proud, liberal Democrats, and we ask for your vote on November, whatever the election day is this year. And, and that's going to be the the talking point for the rest of the year. It's going to be the 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 way they try to win is that these these racist radical Republicans want to support a black woman to be the court. That that's gonna, that's going to be the whole thing. And so if if he picks a qualified woman, a qualified black woman that Republicans and Democrats can both support, that's not going to happen. But if he doesn't then obviously that will happen, and that'll be the the process from there. And then they'll be able to do this whole this whole shtick of racism from the Republican Party, and that, that that's their entire goal. I don't, I don't think Biden really cares who he appoints to the court. It'll be a 6-3 conservative majority nonetheless. I just honestly think that that is the 
the goal is to make the Republican Party look bad. Uh, when we return, um, we have an analysis from Chris Salilza at CNN. Um, he's a Democrat talking head. We're going to be talking about that, about how Democrats can pull off a major redistricting upset because gerrymandering's only bad when Republicans do it. Stacey Abrams visited a Georgia, a Georgia school unmasked where kids still have to mask up. And Trump responds to Pence rejecting the idea that he could overturn the election. When we return here on The Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Make sure you're following me on social media. Gav at GOP Josh, Twitter GOP Josh 20, Instagram GOP Josh 20. Getter is at GOP Josh. Where am I not? I, I really don't know. But we we have an article today from, from CNN, the, the leader in real news, and that was true up until whatever year they were founded. Conventional wisdom heading into this year was that Republicans would benefit might, mightily from the decennial congressional line-drawing process, carving up districts and creating a decisively friendly national map. But as states rush to finish their House maps in advance of the rapidly approaching 2022 primary season, a new storyline has emerged. Democrats could well break or even possibly gain an advantage when all the new lines are finished across the country. Uh, New York Democrats unveiled a congressional map that would take the current delegation of 19 Democrats and 18 or an eight Republicans and potentially turn it into a 22 uh, 22-4 split. It's the largest single state shift in the country, according to the Pol- Cook Political Report House editor David Wasserman. Pennsylvania Supreme Court, where Democrats hold a majority, took control of drawing the state lines after the Democratic governor and Republican-controlled legislature deadlocked on a map that must reduce that must reduce the state's House delegation from 18 to 17 seats. Uh, 538's Nathaniel Rackin noted in the wake of the unveiling of the New York map, I have previously calculated that redistricting alone would hand Republicans two new House seats in the 2022 midterms, while Democrats would roughly stand pat. This is before accounting to the likely Republican-leaning national political environments. Add this map, and Democrats will be poised to gain about three seats nationally, and Republicans will be poised to lose around two. Um... Positive redistricting developments in Alabama and Ohio have favored their party because of our our, our great Republican Supreme Court um, Chief Justice. As Wiserman wrote, for the first time, Dems have taken the lead on the Cook Political Report's 2022 redistricting scorecard in uh, New York, Alabama, Pennsylvania, etc. They are all on track to net two to three seats from the new maps versus the old ones. So, let, let's look at this, this, where, where is it at? This New York Democrat map. The New York Democrats unveiled a congressional map that would take the current delegation of 19 Democrats and 8 Republicans and turn it into a 22-4 split. Wow. And, and let me look at the, the proposed map for, uh, let's see here, 538, for the Republicans in Ohio, the the previously passed map before it was rejected. Is this here? Let's see here. Can I see this? Can I see the proposed maps, please? It was a 
I, I can't see if oh here it is. The proposed map was basically fourteen two, or not fourteen two. One two three. <laughs> it's thirteen two or thir eleven two one, whatever the proper numbers are. And that was too partisan because it split up Cincinnati three times instead of only two to improperly balance Cincinnati. But but when you look at the New York map, and I, I know the Republican or the Supreme Court of New York is not the same as the Supreme Court of Ohio. I know that, but I'm just, for example, when you look at this map, taking away one district, but insanely favoring one party, that that, that is not considered gerrymandering in and Democrats on Twitter who complain about all day that Republicans are gerrymandering and taking away the voice of the people. Oh my goodness. But also, um, their states are doing the same thing. Just just not in their favor. In, or their, their states are doing it in their favor. And I, I'm not going to take a side on gerrymandering. But as you know, if you are going to take a side, don't be hypocritical when that side, when your side is the same thing. And Republicans could easily, if we just stood up and advocated for fair maps in our our states. I mean, it was it was Mitch McConnell's fault. There is a Democratic leading state or seat in Kentucky. He he required that seat to exist, and, and so if we if we wouldn't give them these seats, if they want if we wouldn't give them these seats, so they're not going to give us in their states. We'd actually be leading in redistricting. We would be successful. We'd have a, a great majority come twenty twenty two elections, but no, but no, that they can do it, but we can't. It, it's hypocritical. I don't understand completely, but whatever. I, I can't do anything about it. Stacey Abrams, uh, the the rightful governor of Virginia or Georgia, <laughs> rightful governor of Georgia from the twenty eighteen election, who has yet to concede, is running again, and she went to the. Glenwood Elementary School outside of Atlanta to kick off the third annual African-American read-in where she met with young students and teachers. The principal took to Twitter after the visit to post four pictures, uh, which included three pictures of Abrams without a mask, despite the Couture City Commission reinstating a mandatory masking ordinance last month. The, um, the, the photo, which is not a good photo of Stacey Abrams, has a classroom full of masked students. Stacey Abrams, in the photo, is maskless, sitting on the floor with all the students. Every, everyone in the picture besides her is masked. And it's not just like a, oh, I heard it covering my mouth, like, not actually properly wearing the mask. But no, she's not wearing it at all. She doesn't even look like she has one on her. I don't think uh, the dress she's wearing has pockets, so she doesn't even have a mask on her. And she's in this room full of children. It reminds me of the photo of all the New York leaders or whatever it was with all these students masked up and they looked like demons, to be completely honest, that the, the adults did. And so it, it's it's very odd. <laughs> it, it's a, a very odd scenario. I feel bad for those students. I feel bad for the teachers in that room. But, but I mean, it, it's hypocritical and it's rules for thee, not for me. And if... These school boards and these city commissions in these Georgian cities are going to instate mask mandates, and the hopeful governor of this state is not going to follow them. 
and maybe she should say, hey, what if we don't institute these mandates, don't require these schools to mask up? What if we do these? It scientifically doesn't help. But what if we did this? But but she won't. She won't. It, it, it would hurt her political party if she did. And that, that that's the priority to that. To Stacey Abrams, that's their priority to the Democratic Party is optics. And this is bad optics, but, you know, maybe she should have at least put one on for the picture. Because we know that's what other Democratic politicians do. We've seen it. Put one on to go up to a podium to take it off to talk. Or hand it to a Supreme Court justice as we've seen Biden do. I don't think there's a way that Stacey Abrams wins in 2022 unless she calls election fraud like she basically did in 2020. Or 2018, I'm sorry. We'll have to see. And Trump has responded to Pence rejecting the idea that he could overturn the election. This is our final story for the day. Before we get into that, thank you all for listening this far. Send in your comments to josh at gopjosh.com or send in a voice message to anchor.fm slash the conservative crusader slash message or gopjosh.com slash show. Press the big button across the screen that says send in a message to the show or whatever it says. And former President Trump responded Friday night, hours after former President Mike Pence said in a speech that he rejected the idea that he could have used his power on January 6th to overturn the 2020 presidential election results. He said in a statement, just saw Mike Pence's statement on the fact that he had no right to do anything with respect to the electoral vote count other than being an automatic conveyor belt for the old crow Mitch McConnell to get Biden elected president as quickly as possible. Trump argued that if, if obvious signs of voter fraud or irregularities exist, Pence could have done something about it. In a speech in Florida earlier in the day, Trump, Pence said that Trump was wrong when the former president claimed recently that Pence could have unilaterally changed the results. Uh, Pence's comments came after Trump voiced his belief that via the Electoral Count Act, Pence had the ability to send the electoral votes back to the states, and he does have that authority. He said he had no right to overturn the election. Frankly, there is almost no idea more un-American than that notion that any one person could choose the American president. Responding, Trump claimed that because Pence could have overturned the election, Democrats and rhinos were now working feverishly together to take away that power from the vice president because they don't they they now say they don't want the vice president to have the right to ensure an honest vote. In other words, I was right and everyone knows it. And President Trump is right. There was irregularities in this election. He could have overturned them. Mike Pence could have sent it back to the states, made sure this is a fair election. But no, they they can't have that. They can't have a fair election because Biden is their guy. Biden is the establishment that everyone in Washington wanted back because Trump challenged the establishment two months, too, too much. Trump challenged the establishment two months too much, and that is why they had to make sure that Biden was reinstated or instated as president, whether he was elected fairly or not. My name is GOP Josh. This has been the Conservative Crusader. Thank you for tuning in, and I will see you all tomorrow with a brand new episode, even though I'm not recording an episode of this tomorrow. I can't tell you what I'm doing tomorrow just yet, so see you all tomorrow with a brand new episode. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.